Hello, I'm Sunday, and I'm complicated. I mean, I'm the beginning of the week, but I'm also the end of the weekend. So people may not know how to feel about me, but they do feel pretty darn good about a six-inch tuna sub for just $3.99 at Subway restaurants. It's the sub of the day, and it's a different six-inch sub each day for $3.99. So start the week on a high note. Or end your weekend with a bang. I'm good either way. Subway, make it what you want. At participating restaurants, additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. Additional discounts or coupons may be applied. Hello and welcome to episode 92 of Motherhood in Hollywood. I am so glad you're here and have found this podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about all things parenting and entertainment. And today my guest is talking about her new movie, When the Bow Breaks. It is a documentary about postpartum depression. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you guys about Up4 Probiotics. If you've never tried a probiotic before, and you're looking for something to give your immune system some support and your digestive system a little extra support, check out Up4 Probiotics. You can go right now to motherhoodinhollywood.com click on the Up4 Probiotics image and find out which formula is right for you. Up4 Probiotics has been helping you create a happier inside since 1979. Come on, mama! Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hey, friends. Welcome to another episode of Motherhood in Hollywood. I am having a really fun week because it's Channing's birthday week. Yay! Uh, My little baby girl, who was two when I started this podcast, is now four years old. And it has been a crazy couple of years for those of you who've been along for the ride this whole time. Thank you so much. Um, and maybe I need to have Channing come on now cause she's, her verbal skills are doing really well. She's definitely more chatting now. Maybe I should have her come on as a guest and, um, uh, talk about mommy's podcast sometime. It will be a very short episode. I'm sure because her attention span is not quite there. She might be like next, Um, excuse me, but anyway, so I'm feeling a little bit better. My cold is finally kind of, uh, going away. We are planning for a party. And of course, um, the forecast says it's supposed to rain on uh, the day we're having a party. So I'm like, excellent. Thanks a lot. It's gorgeous weather right now, but of course it's going to rain on the day I want to have for a party. But nonetheless, we shall carry on. I have a backup plan. And, um, <clears throat> Chris and I have been really making a concentrated effort to not overdo it with the gifts. I don't know how you guys feel about, you know, birthdays and special occasions and holidays and things like that. But, you know, she has a ton of stuff. She has a way more stuff than she ever needs or could possibly ever play with. And I don't say that to be braggy, um, or do I, but, uh, she, we want to try to temper that a little bit so that we're not always constantly buying her things. That goes back to the whole entitlement episode that I had a few weeks ago. We're very, something we're very cognizant of. Um, so yeah, that's what's happening in our world lately. Uh, still no auditions for Heather. Still just waiting for Hollywood to come call in. <laughs> in the meantime, I'm still having a wonderful time with, um, 
motherhood in Hollywood. Oh, and Chris's birthday is coming up next week. So very excited to help celebrate um, both of my babies in the same week. So yay, good things. Um, I want to really quickly give a couple shout outs, a couple mom mentions over on Twitter. I want to say hello to Lennon River at Lennon River. Thank you so much for following me. Also to Buckles and Bulls. Hello. Thank you, Buckles and Bulls. Sunshine Organics and um, Phil Giangrande. Phil, that is some name you got there. Gian Grande. Uh, sounds very Italian. Thank you guys for following me over on Twitter at MIH Podcast or at Heather Brooker. You can also find me on Instagram at Motherhood in Hollywood as well as Facebook at Motherhood in Hollywood. Don't forget to take the time to subscribe to my show if you haven't done so already and make sure you leave a review. Be cool. Leave a review. That's all I'm saying. All right. My guest today is Lindsay Gerst. She is the producer of a new documentary called When the Bow Breaks. It is a closer look and a really compelling film about postpartum depression. And um, there are women who, who are giving their uh, just really powerful uh, perspective on what postpartum depression did to them and how they were affected by it, how their families were affected by it. It is a movie that is available right now on iTunes. If you search when the bow breaks and, uh, make sure you find the right one that is about, uh, postpartum depression. Apparently there's two named when the bow breaks and one is a horror film and the other one is, is about PPD. So, I wanted to talk with Lindsay about making this film, but also about her experience with postpartum. And, um, it's, um, it is a really devastating and serious illness. And it is something that we all need to be more aware of and more cognizant of for, um, moms, for new moms. I loved this film. It's opened my eyes to the problems that exist with, uh, postpartum depression. And I think that you guys are going to love this interview with Lindsay, but you're also really going to go and love the film. So make sure you, you check out the film. So here's my interview right now from the producer of when the bow breaks, Lindsay Gerst. So I'm here you guys today with Lindsay Gerst. She is one of the producers for when the bow breaks. It is a very powerful movie. I have to say when I watched it last night, um, I cried several times. It was very, like I said, powerful, very moving. And um, you shared your story with postpartum depression. Uh, and I'm so thrilled to have you here today to talk to me about this movie and your experience as well. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So tell me, um, first of all, tell me, what is the movie about? So When the Bell Breaks is a documentary about postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis. And we interview everybody from experts to people that have experienced everything from the baby blues to psychosis. And it also follows my story and journey to recovery. You did not hold back, like you said, no. at all uh, in this movie. What was that like for you? Because you were revealing some very intimate, um, dark times that you were going through after the birth of your son. Yeah, doing this film was probably the hardest thing I've ever done besides giving birth and the most therapeutic thing I've ever done because what it did was I was struggling so bad with postpartum depression that I was in my own world and I didn't educate myself enough about it to know even what I was going through. 
So by making this film, I learned so much. And I met people that have experienced so many different forms of it that it just kind of opened me up to wanting to share and wanting to help other people. Could you pull the mic just a little bit closer to you? There you yeah. go. Um, I was going to ask you if it's still hard for you to talk about or if you're at more of a comfortable place now. After making the film, I decided to get rid of all the fear of sharing my journey and experience. And after putting myself on camera, getting something like TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation on my brain and showing it, I don't think I'm afraid of anything anymore. <laughs> no more fear. <laughs> There's no more fear. There's no more, sti- no more stigma attached to it for me. Yeah. It, I'm an open book right now and I'm kind of really happy about it and it's helping me, you know, and, and, and getting the response of people seeing me so open and so vulnerable has opened them up. And so that really helps me too. And that makes, you know, it all worth it. How long did it take you guys to make this film? We started when my son was two and we finished oh, wow. when he was about seven. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. yeah. It, it was a long journey. Yeah, I was going to say it was, it was quite a long journey. And I, uh, but I think with documentaries and those types of movies, um, it's nice to see that time period and time pass. Like, I don't think you could do a documentary in just like a couple of months and do it justice, you know? No, because especially with this film, there's so much to show and you can't just take a month and be like, okay, we're going to do all of these therapies and all of these things, you know, experiments and, right. you know, do all this stuff and interview all these people in one shot because it, that's not realistic. Right. You need to show the journey. You need to show the process. And I will say after watching this, that's exactly what I felt. I could feel from the very beginning, the journey that you went on, um, hearing from the testimonials from all of the women, their experiences with um, postpartum, it was really eye-opening. Um, yeah. Postpartum was not something I experienced. I've had friends who have had um, varying degrees of it. I know that some for some women, it's not as debilitating. And uh, I just want you to talk a little bit about what postpartum is and how um, how women can recognize that that's what they're going through versus just, you know, I've heard the term baby blues. Yeah. You know, there's a huge range. It's, um, perinatal mood disorders and it ranges from the baby blues to postpartum psychosis, which is the extreme baby blues is kind of when you're just are sad and, um, you know, having a little trouble bonding with your baby and you're have a little anxiety, but you get through it. And then you have postpartum depression, which is a little more serious, which, which, basically lasts longer and you need some intervention in order to get better whether it be therapy whether it be medication whether it be holistic um you know there there are way there are different therapies to help you get through it there's postpartum anxiety and postpartum ocd which i was (laughs) fortunate to have all of that and um and then there's the end of the spectrum which is postpartum psychosis which is you know you lose kind of grip of reality Um, and I do want to talk about that in just a second, but I also want to talk about before you had your baby, did you have any signs of depression? Was that present in your family at all? It was? Yes. One of the big things to look out for when you have a baby to look out for if you're going to have postpartum depression is a history of depression. Mm -hmm. I have suffered from depression my whole life. And in fact, when I was 19, I was in college and I had a breakdown and I had to leave school 
go home to my parents' house. I was in bed for six months while we found the right medication because I was not functioning at mm-hmm. all. And then after six months, we found the right medication. And I was able to finish school and I started working. And I was fine until about 23 when the medication stopped working. And I told my work because of the stigma attached to mental illness. I told my work, I have mono. I have to go home for a month to get better. But I went back to my parents' house in Miami and um, I went back to my psychiatrist and we changed medications. And then I was stable on that until I had my son at 30. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so I was aware of postpartum depression, but I wasn't educated about postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And so I did everything I thought I needed to do to prepare myself, but it wasn't enough. And do they know what triggers it? Is it the hormones in your body that are fluctuating and kind of like, you know, going a little bananas? I know in the film, they talked about the lack of sleep uh, combined with that. There's many different causes to it hormone hormones is a huge one I mean after you give birth your hormones kind of go nuts so that's a huge one um there's lack of support that can cause it there's lack of sleep I mean we need sleep people need sleep if you do not have sleep like they use sleep deprivation sleep deprivation as like a torture torture yeah yeah. so like we have to have it so if you're not if you're not getting sleep or proper sleep then I mean you're not going to be healthy Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if unplanned pregnancy, history of depression, history of anxiety, bipolar, something to really look out for, um, when you're having a baby. So there are a lot of different, um, causes that can contribute to it. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about the stigma. Let's talk about stigma. The stigma of mental health issues. Um, there was something really poignant in the movie um, where uh, his last name was Martinez, one of the Raul. Uh, yeah, Raul Martinez, where he was talking about how people who are diagnosed with cancer get the best care possible. People who have heart problems get the best care possible, and they people know it's an illness, but mental illness is not treated the same way. The brain is not treated like an organ, like it actually is. Why is that? Is there? I could tell you what I think it is because we watch the news and we see people that are crazy, you know, like committing murder. Mm-hmm. Um, they're crazy. They're, you know, like they bring guns and shoot, you know, it's like so. And then there's the extreme of postpartum psychosis in the news where, you know, people commit infanticide or suicide. And with mental illness, it literally your brain is a part of your body. So if you have diabetes, you have to take medication. You cannot survive without medication. If you have cancer, you're sick. You have to take medication. My mental illness is a lifelong battle. If I'm not on medication, I will not be here. So I think the stigma comes from people seeing the extreme and thinking that that's all mental illness. And that's just not the case. So everybody sort of gets lumped into the same category of like, you're crazy or you're, you know, nuts or whatever, you know, word that people want to use to describe someone who may have some kind of chemical imbalance. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not fair. It's not, it's, it's not fair because there are so many different levels of mental illness. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, I can guarantee you, I mean, if you say one in five women after they give birth, get a perinatal mood disorder, you know, somebody that Mm -hmm. has it Yeah, and they can, they can look 
so happy all the time and you have no idea. And I think one of the biggest problems is Facebook because, oh, sure. because everyone posts the perfect family picture. You and know, Instagram, like, yeah. Instagram. I mean, I mean, who's going to post? I, every time someone posts <clears> a picture <throat> of real life, I admire them so much. And I'm like, way to go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because we all share the most beautiful pictures of ourselves. Why mm-hmm. would we want to post an ugly picture of ourselves? Yeah, it's the highlight reel. Social media, yeah. and I've said this before, social media is very much the highlight reel of people's lives. We don't show, you know, our crusty eyeballs when we wake up in the morning or our grossest, darkest moments or, you know, and some people do and that's, and that's fine. But in general, social media is the highlight reel. It's just the fun moments that you want to share. However, which is great. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so it's fun and it's fun to look at it and it's fun to see what people are doing, Mm -hmm. but it's not reality. And if we, if we look at ourselves and then look at that and be like, well, I don't have that. That's not my life. It makes us feel bad about ourselves. So why would we want to share our dark times if everyone else is posting about their, their beauty Yeah, (laughs) and how happy their family is and how happy their lives are. But in the reality, it's not the case. I had somebody contact me yesterday, an old friend from middle school, and literally she's the most beautiful person I've ever seen in my life. She's perfect. And she has this beautiful family and, and everything's great and they have money and they travel all the time. And they post pictures and she shared with me some really dark moments after watching my film. Mm-hmm. And you would never know that. You don't see the real person that way. Right. I think that speaks to um, how important this movie is as yeah. well because you just don't know who's affected by it. You don't know if the person sitting next to you is moments away from some kind of breakdown or something, you know, or is in desperate need of help. And I think for me, what I walked away with it wanting to do was to be more sensitive and be more aware um, so that if I have a friend who's going through something like that, I can offer help. Is that a realistic goal? Can we help? Is there any way we, yes. that we can help? Yes. So by educating yourself, like by watching this film, learning about it, um, seeing the different forms of it and and what to look out for, mm-hmm. you totally can help. If you have a friend that's struggling and they're not admitting it, but you see signs, you keep bothering them mm-hmm. until they open up. You bring them food. You just help in little ways because every little thing helps. When I was struggling, I think I lost probably 90% of my friends. My best friend at the time literally said to me, um, you're too hard to hang out with. Let me know when you get better. Why does that happen? Because literally, I cannot tell you how many people I know whose best friends have abandoned them right after they have a baby yeah. because they're like, this is too hard. Or yeah. I never see you anymore. We don't ever go to the bar anymore. You know, like, you know why? I think that it opens up their own struggles that they don't want to sure. face. Sure. I think it's really selfish. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, my own anger coming through because I've seen it happen where you lose friends right after you have a baby and you're like, this is one of the hardest moments I've been through in my life. Where are my friends? Yeah. So. So they left. And then I had this one guy that my husband was friends with his wife and he saw me struggling and he brought me a bagel every morning because it was so hard for me to eat. Like literally Mm -hmm. was in so much pain. I couldn't put the bagel to my mouth Mm -hmm. and he would sit there with me while I had like five bites and then he would leave. Yeah. You know, and this is somebody I didn't know, but he had empathy and he, he got it. You know, I don't know why he got it. I don't know his history and I hardly knew him and I don't know him anymore, but like, I will never forget that. All right, everyone, we're going to get back to our interview with Lindsay in just a minute and let you know where you can watch when the bowel breaks. But first I want to tell you guys about up for probiotics. So 
If you need a probiotic or are interested in finding out how you can give your immune system and digestive system a little bit of extra support, check out Up4 Probiotics. They have a trademark super strain that they've been using in their probiotics since 1979. That's decades of clinical research and trials that have been tested on these probiotics. They have a kids cube formula. They have a heart health formula as well as a women's and adult. They have a variety of different formulas that can help you boost your your health, give your health a little kick in the pants. You can get up for probiotics at your local Target store. Next time you're shopping, look in the shelf in the supplement aisle and you can find up for there. You can also find them at motherhoodandhollywood.com. Just click on the up for probiotics image and find out how you can start creating a happier inside. There's a huge lack of empathy in the world today in general. Everybody's so quick to go. No, I'm not. Uh, I don't support that or no, I don't believe that or, you know, whatever. Um, I have a friend who pretty much kind of disappeared for the first year or two, um, of her daughter's life. We never heard from her. She never wanted to go out to play dates. And if she did, she would, uh, you know, only just hang out at the house and never really wanted to, to interact. And, um, I, didn't know uh, I looking back now I'm like I kind of feel like maybe there was something more going on there but at the time I just thought well this is straight because you're living your own life and mm-hmm. you're you're everybody's sort of tunnel vision and you're like wait should I was there something more happening um and that's something I want to be more cognizant of moving yeah, forward that's awesome because my husband and I disappeared from a lot of people's lives yeah. and in fact um last week we had friends that we haven't spoken to in years watch the film yeah and they wrote us a text and like apologized and you know I'm so sorry I wish we were there for you more you know that's it's it's very emotional you know I want to talk about your husband for a second because yes. he's in the film as yes. well um, how, what was it like for him to go through this process with you and still be going through it with you? Making the movie or depression? Both. Um, it was his worst nightmare come true was my postpartum depression. My son was also a very sick baby. Mm. So when a man who, you know, gets married and is having a family, um, has these expectations, they, um, when it doesn't happen the way they want it to happen, all of a sudden, they start to feel like, wait, this isn't life that I wanted. What are we, you know? And so, how do we fix it? How do we fix it? Right. They want to fix it. They're things. fixers, yeah. He couldn't fix it and he couldn't fix me. And it really put a huge gap in our relationship. And I think we fought and had a horrible relationship for about eight years. And for some reason, the underlying love kept us together. And it wasn't until last year when I saw his interview because I wasn't I was in every single interview but his and my son's in the Mm. movie and I looked at the interview and I said oh my god he had depression too Mm -hmm. he was struggling and and you don't realize that all I all I saw was anger from him and you know he gained 50 pounds and our marriage was falling apart and I blamed him you know I used to scream at him how dare you and and when I saw the film I was like okay he was struggling too yeah that's another perspective um, and another um, side effect of this illness is what it does to your loved ones and people around you as well. Because um, I'm, you could tell that he had a little, uh, he had depression as well in this interview. Yeah, and in the interview it was the first time he realized that he did. Yeah, you know, he's like, wait a minute, nobody's ever asked me how I'm doing. 
you know, and, and that's, that's a big deal because we have to think about the dads too, because the dads, you know, need to be, need to get support too. What happens if your whole world is falling apart because your wife's sick and, you know, you have this new baby and you have nobody to care for you. Everyone's focusing on the mom. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot on this show about the importance of doulas yeah. and having a doula. And I know that you um, had a doula for yeah. your pregnancy and you talked to her in the movie and yeah. uh, in the film. And um, the, a doula's purpose is to be there for the mother. Yeah. And, right. Is that that's my understanding. The mom and the baby. <clears throat> the mom and the baby. And, um, I know a lot of people waver, should I get a doula? You know, what do you think if what, oh gosh, I think that if you're able to have a doula, um, absolutely get one. Uh, I think that we put so much pressure on ourselves to be the perfect mother, which is being up all night to do everything, doing everything. And then having to wake up, take care of the baby, take care of the house, take care Mm -hmm. of her husband, make dinner. It's, it's such an unrealistic expectation. Unfortunately, not everybody can afford a doula. Right. So um, that's where we need kind of like the outside community to come in and help our moms. You know, a friend come over for the night and watch the baby one night so the mom and dad can get a good night's sleep. Um, For me, having a doula pretty much saved me because I was struggling so bad that I had to take medication to sleep. So I wasn't allowed to be up at the night because my anxiety was so bad. So I was I was put out with medication. So I don't know what I would have done without the doula. Um, she also, um, in the morning I would wake up and she would be there for me and sit with me and give me a massage. And, you know, it was very comforting and, and, and to know that you had somebody coming over to help. Yeah. That being said, unfortunately, not everybody can, can have that. So we need our community to come in and help our moms. Even with that support though, you still felt the pull of depression pulling you down because it didn't just happen for a few months after your baby. You said it it was something that was going on for years after you gave birth years a doula doesn't fix your depression a doula helps you so you don't have to do everything you know like postpartum depression has so many different layers to it and and there's not a one fix for it unfortunately I want to talk about one of the hardest parts for me to watch in the movie and that was the moms who are talking about um infanticide am I saying that correctly yeah infanticide um, where they took the life of their own child. Yeah. That was really hard to watch. Yeah. <clears throat> we, we had to put that in the film because that's reality. And, um, when you talk about postpartum psychosis, not every, I just want everybody to know that not every mom commits infanticide or suicide from psychosis. But if you do have psychosis, you have to get help right away. Um, that being said, it was so important to have um, these stories in our film so that people can look out for the signs because there's nothing more tragic. And if we can prevent one, that one life, then like this is this is what really gets to me. I mean, Naomi Knowles in the film was a really, really special friend to me. And I probably learned the most from her out of anybody and you know if you watch the film you'll see her story and her journey and she she struggled and she fought so hard you yeah. know she she wanted to use her experience to educate and to help other moms um i i can't even begin to imagine what that would be like to f- have those types of feelings or to feel that your feelings are out of control um, cause in some cases it seemed like they couldn't control, like there was one woman talking about, um, she felt like her baby was a demon yeah. and had to, to kill him. Um, 
man, that's not only can they not control it, but they don't even know that, that it's not normal. Right. When they're going through that, um, they lose touch with reality. So literally like the double was telling her that her son needed to die. You know, like that, that's, that was her reality in the moment. And the thing about postpartum psychosis is it doesn't have to last. So when you come out of the psychosis and you did what you did, imagine your life after that, you know, because you do come out of it. Yeah. Ideally, eventually with with the right help and with medication. I know, it was interesting. Um, you have quite a few celebrities in mm-hmm. the film as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Carney Wilson, Brooke mm-hmm. Shields, um, Artie, mm-hmm. the Artie party. <laughs> oh, do you know Artie? Uh, uh, no, I don't, Love but I know Artie. her, I know her books Artie. and her, she yeah. cooked, she had a show on the, um, uh-huh. food network, Artie right? Party. Yeah. Um, and, um, Artie was talking about how one day she just opened her eyes and it was like, Oh, Oh, I'm better now. And mm-hmm. several of the women had that same type of experience, um, like almost like a cloud had lifted. I love Artie is so well spoken mm-hmm. and I love how she speaks about it. It's like I looked above and and it was like, oh, you know, and and, yeah. and like you you really relate to it. I personally have never felt that way. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean the way she explains it is amazing because you can come out of it. You know, with Artie, she took medication and um and she's a very natural person, but she knew she needed medication. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it lifted for her and it was like this, the best thing ever. And she actually had another child and experienced a bit after that too, but she knew more what to expect. So, um, she could be more prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought that was really interesting that it's like, it doesn't have to be necessarily a life sentence if you no. can get, um, help and you can get medication and the right support in place. Yeah. And I just want to say that like, I admire anybody that does not need to take medication. There are so many different options. Mm-hmm. You know, there's holistic, oh, yeah. there's, there's cognitive behavioral therapy, there's EMDR, there's team. There's and you so, did a lot of those. I did all of them. <laughs> I wanted to try all of them because, you know, I wanted to see if something can mm-hmm. work besides medication. Unfortunately for me, I think, especially with my history of depression, I have to be on medication and I've learned to be okay with that. You know, it's just part of my life. Like you said, it's just like, you know, having a a disease, a physical disease. You know, it's like you have to take medication in order to survive. I have to take medication in order to survive. Yeah, I saw your medicine cabinet with all your medications in there. Yeah, I I actually. Well, no, I'm actually only on two now. Oh, good. So I weaned weaned down a lot. Yeah. I I think in the beginning I was on 12 different medications. Wow. Yeah. And I felt like I was going to have a drug overdose every day. I can't imagine. But it was to stabilize me. Yeah. Um. I also thought it was interesting, and this is something that I have, you know, thought was a big problem in the United States for a long time, is compared to other countries, the amount of support you get and time off from work and that sort of thing after you give birth. It's really sad in America. It's really sad. Like, what is the deal, America? No, like get we, it together. We, we really need to work on this. And I don't, I don't know what the problem is. I don't know what we need to do to make that happen. I mm-hmm. mean, like there are countries where dads get time off too. Yeah. You know, I they, posted a video on my Facebook page the other day about I don't know, Switzerland or Finland or something. The dads get like a year off yeah, of yeah, yeah. paternity leave. And I was yeah. like, what? But also think about in other countries, you get like, Siesta time during the day where yeah. you go and have a nap and you I'm know, then you go back to work. That. 
Yeah, I mean, we were in Italy um, years ago, and it was like all the stores closed down, all the restaurants closed down for a couple hours because it's nap time. I was what? Like, I was like, I want to live <laughs> here. That sounds amazing. Um, in America, for some reason, like we don't do that, and we have all these expectations, and a woman's supposed to be superhero, mm-hmm. and you give birth, and you still have to do all the stuff that you're and supposed you to do. And you go right to, back to work. You go back to work, or mm-hmm. you 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 have to like you know be the perfect wife and and take care of the house and you know run around and do errands, but but like. Look what your body goes through when mm-hmm. you have a child. Like Yeah, that doctor said it was the equivalent to running a marathon or a yeah. couple of marathons mm-hmm. even. Yeah. So like we're in the hospital if you don't have a C section for what, two days mm-hmm. and then you're home and you're supposed to be doing everything. Like, that's not realistic. Yeah. Like this is not healthy for us. We need to change this. I mean, I'm not sure what's going to happen. People are working on it and I will work on it. Yeah. Like I look to see, like, I don't even know if there's a bill going through Congress or if, if there's anybody even like actively working on getting better postpartum support for moms and dads. There is. And I also think, you know, there's a lot of work going on with, um, screening, Mm -hmm. um, to get every OB, every pediatrician to screen, um, expectant moms, because if, you know, and I don't know why everybody doesn't do that now, mm-hmm. because imagine if every, if every single doctor screened and we were, you knew which mom may get it to prepare them. Yeah. That would save so much pain and so much, you know, like time and energy they screen for everything else. I mean, they screen for diabetes, they screen for T1 and T2 and all that stuff. Um, but in the film, they talk about how OBGYNs are not trained necessarily to look for problems that might be going on in your head. They're- no. And look, my my OB um, knew I had a history of depression and anxiety and OCD. And she agreed to induce me because of my anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, she was going out of town on my due date. I needed her to deliver mm-hmm. my baby. So, OK, I'll do that. Let's give you Pitocin to start, you know. But Pitocin, there's, there's literally like reports that Pitocin can lead to postpartum depression. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you when I saw that part of it, I thought, I wonder if because they induce so early, maybe your body and your chemistry just wasn't ready and maybe that was a trigger of some kind or... For me, know. I think I would have gotten it no matter what. Mm-hmm. I just... I just no, because there's so many different things that are going on with me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think maybe it would not have been as bad if mm-hmm. I wasn't if I didn't have Pitocin, if I didn't have so many drugs during pushing, I mean, mm-hmm. like I literally, I was pushing for six and a half hours. The baby got Ooh. stuck under my pubic bone. Ooh. So they kept just like giving me drugs cause I couldn't have the epidural because I couldn't feel myself pushing. So I just felt that pain for six and a half hours and the medication, the painkillers they were giving me wore off after 10 minutes. So they kept dosing and dosing and dosing without me even knowing. Yeah. My son literally came out stone out of his mind. Didn't cry for two hours. I mean, oh, they wow. called code blue on him and I'm sitting there, you know, just like getting sewn up and being like, what's going on? Yeah. You know, it, it's, it, th- these things should not happen. Yeah. I was like, that sounds very traumatic. That sounds like a very traumatic birth. Yeah. Um, I, well, first of all, let's talk about where can everybody see this movie and how can they help support um, the film, number one, but also how can they get involved with supporting other women um, or organizations? Yeah. So the film is on iTunes now, When the Bell Breaks, a documentary about postpartum depression. Um, there's another film out called When the Bell Breaks from last year that's a horror film. So it's okay, very different. different. Totally different. So movie. don't get them mixed up. Right. Um, and um, it's also on all um, video on demand platforms. 
Um, we will have news soon of where else it can be seen. And then um, we have our website, www.whenthebellbreaksfilm.com. And you can request a screening. Um, but please watch the film, share the film, whether you're a new mom, whether you're a doctor, whether you know nobody right now that, that has a baby. You will at some point, you will at some point know somebody that's struggling. Please watch the film and share it. It's so important to educate, to break the stigma and help our moms feel like they're not alone. Is there some kind of like um, support group or support number people can one call? Of, one of my favorite organizations is Postpartum Support International. Mm -hmm. They're the largest organization um, for postpartum depression. And um, my friend Morgan um, Shanahan was on this show, and she was talking about them. She did the climb with them. Oh yeah, yeah, Cli yeah. It's it's amazing. They they have such great support. I used to be um, a warm line volunteer. So um, what you can do is they have a warm line that you can call on their website. It's post postpartum.net and um you call in leave a message within 24 hours somebody will call you back and help provide resources and you know um you know just talk to you and and help you um but on their website also they have resources in every state possible they're amazing they do so much good things um i highly recommend them to learn um moving forward how are you feeling mm -hmm. do you feel like um you have good days and bad days, or do you feel like maybe you can is just take it one step at a time? I always say, and I say to this day, that it's not one step at a time, it's one second at a time. I think for somebody like me, I live with depression, and I've learned to accept it and to enjoy life even though I'm in depression. Because if we don't, this is the one life we have, right? So we got to make the best out of it. We're all given our different struggles and our different things that we have to go through, unfortunately. Um, and so it's up to us what to do with it. So I continue to, to take my medication. I continue to go to therapy. Um, last year, I started exercising and doing Pilates three times a week, which really helps me in hiking. Um, so I'm doing what I need to do. But do I struggle still? Yeah, every day. Tell me about your relationship with your son. Oh, my relationship with my son is so special. He, um, he's the most empathetic, sensitive, beautiful child. Does he know what's going on? He knows what's going on. He doesn't know the ins and outs of postpartum depression, but he knows that mom struggled and he knows that mom um, made this film that's helping people. And my son ends the film with the most beautiful statement in the world that's and so sweet and I showed the end of the film to him the other day and he was like yeah that's good I'm, I'm glad I ended the film I'm gonna give hope to people <laughs> so and he's like eight what a cutie so, yeah so so I can't have any regrets because the most important thing in the world to me is him mm -hmm. and and he loves his mom yeah and we have a, this wonderful bond well that's very evident in the film and what's also evident is your desire to help people and the other filmmakers the other producers who are involved yeah. Um, and the women who shared their story was yeah. just so lovely and moving. And I truly do think it is going to help people. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to make sure I also am going to put information up about the movie on my website. Um, and uh, are you guys on social media as well? We are. We have a Facebook page. And actually, it's When the Bell Breaks, a documentary. Again, don't confuse it with the other horror film. <laughs> um, and I actually reply to every single person on there. I am on there all day. It's my job to make sure that I connect with everybody because it's so important to me. Um, and so we also have an Instagram page, um, When the Bell Breaks Doc. And then we're on Twitter, Bell Breaks Doc. 
um and and you know i control our social media so you could contact me for anything okay cool and i'll make sure i put up links for all of that as well Lindsay, thank Thank you you thank you so much for sharing the story i really appreciate it thank you all right you guys i hope you have a wonderful week if you have any questions about the film or if you want to reach out to Lindsay, um you can do that through her social media and as well i'll put information up on motherhoodinhollywood.com have a wonderful week you guys and remember i'm not a perfect mom but i can play one on tv bye balls.